Good morning, my friend. How are you today? Uh, good morning, Joe. Um, I'm doing good. Good. Um, just got back from uh, a mushroom ceremony this weekend. Nice. How was it? It was great. It was really just nurturing to spend time with like a really good group of people. Yeah. Almost everybody in the group I had already shared a ceremony with before. Nice. So you were comfortable. Yeah, it was really comfortable. And just it was just really great. Like just people had just such great energy and it made all the difference in the world. It was amazing. Well, um, that sounds really fun. I love how many plant ceremonies you do. Now, are these (laughs) now are these ceremonies because you have an interest in facilitating them yourself? Or are you just doing them just because they're something that you enjoy? Yeah, yeah, it is something it's it, it is always a, a learning opportunity for me. And yes, it's because I want to facilitate these. So I, I'm going through these, this process just to understand the facilitating, but also just the experience itself, because I feel like that the having that personal experience is just, that's going to help me a lot going forward. Right, right. Do you pay attention when people like struggle or have challenges or questions to see how she, um, the the facilitator handles it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I I do. I do. Um. And it's actually truly like when I was in it, I'm like it's not actually that complicated. It's right. it, you know it's a matter of uh, being able to hold space for them and what that looks like and and having the the tools available to do that for people. So yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I definitely look forward to my first um, ceremony. Uh, sometime whenever that will be so yeah excellent how about you how, what, what, what were you up to um god I'm trying to think what did I do this weekend um I I'm not sure what I did I don't really remember but I do know that um I get bored with the same grocery store, right? Because I have like two by me. Actually, there's mm-hmm. three. And Fred Meyer, which is the local grocery store, mm-hmm. they are not all made the same. And the ones that are located in like, you know, like the Hawthorne district and, you know, those sort of more, a little bit more, um, maybe for, what are the people that called that visit cities? Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, tourists? Tourists, like touristy mm-hmm. or, right, yes, bougie, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, the <laughs> They are not made the same. So because of that, this weekend, I needed to get pick up some groceries. And I'm like, I'm going to go to the Hawthorne of mm-hmm. Fred Meyer. And oh, my God, like the cheese and the wine section and the deli section and the fruit section and just the foods that they have on the shelf. And then they have whole, like, six, seven, eight rows of organic 
organic. Like here <laughs> or in Michigan, they had like one section of organic stuff. Uh, not here. Yeah. So it really is. And I've always been a lover of like specialty shops, mm -hmm. um, you know, little meat markets and little places that have, you know, imported jars and pots and sauces and all those things and cheeses and wine. And I love those sorts of places. But this, this it's nothing like here. So. Yeah, around me we have sprouts, and then I have to go pretty far out for Whole Foods. Every once in a while, when I'm around a Whole Foods, I will go in there just because they always have extra things that I just can't get anywhere else. Right. I, I used to love the Whole Foods. Used to have the like buffet where yeah. you know you like serve yourself your you know uh, mm -hmm. sold by the by the pound or whatever. And I used to love that when I'd go mm -hmm. out to Palm Desert, that's like that. That's where I would go, go get lunch. And then quarantine and COVID happened and they don't have it anymore. They took it from us. They yeah. Took and it. It's, mm -hmm. it sucks. I'm like, I miss it so much. Yep. Yep. But in Michigan, there was a store, there's a store called Better Health and they had, a, oh my God, they had the best um, buffet every day. And they, their salmon is nothing like I've ever tasted before. I, could, I haven't found it anyplace else, but yeah. So hopefully those will come back, um, you know, as people um, start to get vaxxed, <laughs> which I say with a... <laughs> grunt and a snark not a snarl but a snark um, um you know those things will start to come back but i mean they are slowly coming back i did um confirm tickets october 16th so i'm super excited for there's a local um, event here called the oddities um it's like a little mini like show or convention um uh -huh. about like oddities and paranormal and stuff like that so i'm really excited about that so oh, i'm fun. hoping that that doesn't get canceled yeah yeah it'll be fun uh what uh do we have anything coming up what's going on what's what's on the events calendar for us so we have the workshop for empaths is coming up that's september 11th yep there's still time to register for that up until the day before Mm -hmm. So with those, it's always we all, the the aim with those is always to keep them affordable so that people can join and come and learn. Mm -hmm. uh, is there? Do you have a theme for this one? The workshop for empaths. Mm -hmm. um, nope, it's always the same. It's it's it teaches you how to identify what type of empath you are, um, how to manage those empathic abilities, um, um, how to sort of set them up so that it helps develop your intuitive abilities at the same time. And then we talk about, um, um, shielding versus, you know, not shielding. We talk about okay. some crystals, we talk about boundaries and all that stuff. So, okay. Yeah. And then we, we do still have journey the wild. So that is our plant medicine retreat. And that is November 5th through 7th and taking place in Idlewild, California. We do have a few more spots open for that. Yeah. And we will also clarify um, the airport to use for that one, because I think I had that um, wrong. So if I've communicated that to anybody, know that we'll send out a communication or I'll send out a communication clarifying the airport to use. Yeah. I, I had listed, there's several airports you can use to get into this area. So there's, I, I had put it all in. So it's, it's, it is in there. It, it, it's it's in the, um, on our website. Oh, on our website. Okay. All right. I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about the information guide. So, okay, good. Wonderful. Yay. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. It's all, it's all in there. And, um, we do have to finalize the meal plan because I have some really good ideas. I want to do mm -hmm. some raw cheesecakes. 
Nice. Very nice. Very nice. All right. All right. What are we talking about today? Today, we are going to dive into the lore of the succubi, um, which also sort of translates into astral travel and sleep paralysis. So you're going to see how all of that ties together um, once I have uh, started weaving this story here. So Okay. All right. All right. So the idea of the succubus and the incubus um, that's dated as far back as 2400 BC in Mesopotamia, um, which I thought that was so cool. Like, wow. It was believed that a creature in female form, previously called a lilu, and I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, mm-hmm. would erotically seduce men and women in their dreams. However, the actual title of succubus, which is Latin for to lie beneath, and incubus, which is the male version, means to lie on top. Those titles weren't applied to these mythical creatures until medieval times. Mm-hmm. All right. So, and then the basic description of a succubus or an incubus, it remained the same in the early years, um, that they were gargoyle-like with wings and tails and horns and scaly skin, which, you know, you're not invited into my bedroom. Just let's <laughs> just set, let any let any succubi or incubi out there know. If you look like that, you're not coming into my bedroom. But in the 18th century, its description sort of evolved into a more human-like image. Um, so there's lots of myth and lore surrounding it. Um, So we'll start with succubi, okay? Succubus, succubi, they are Mm -hmm. powerful female creatures who use their sexuality to appear through the dreams of victims, typically men, Mm -hmm. um, and they then seduce and prey on these victims by slowly draining their souls with each encounter, which, I mean, you know, wow. Um, The victims described a feeling of somebody sitting on their chest or their pelvic area. And then when they woke up, they would feel drained, uh, like they had this terrifying erotic dream the night before. Mm -hmm. Um, So myth tells us that the succubi, they used um, manipulation and psychic abilities to overcome and seduce their prey. And we're going to talk about um, some of those in a minute. And they're really, wow. Um, But what they did was they fed from the victim's soul and then they kept returning night after night until it had been completely consumed. I I, I just, the whole idea of the succubi and the succubus and these night visions and terrors is, um, you know, it's pretty terrifying. All right. So throughout the years, all of the myth and the lore that surrounded these creatures bestowed them with some pretty powerful abilities. Um, So there was called the kiss of death, um, which was the ability to sort of steal that life force energy via kiss, which usually resulted in the death. Um, If the succubus was a novice, apparently over time they could learn to control that. Uh Um, They had super stamina. Um, they had super healing, so they could fully heal from any wounds um, by how? Well, having sexual intercourse and then stealing the life force energy of their victim. Hmm. Um, and then they also had the ability to appear in dreams in order to seduce. So it wasn't just, which is a little bit is a little bit weird, right? Like these people were quote unquote, were they dreaming or weren't they? But they also could appear in the dreams. Hmm. 
And then they they had the ability to shapeshift, changing, they could change their outer appearance to match an indiv- what an individual thought of as beautiful. Um, it just made them easier to tempt them, which, I mean, if they're holding them down and sitting on their chest, I don't know where the tempt <laughs> comes in because it doesn't sound like they're given an opportunity. <laughs> Right. There's no, there's no opportunity to consent. <laughs> there's no consent, and no means no. <laughs> All right. So now the male version, the incubus. Yeah, the incubus is um, the male creature who would have sexual intercourse with sleeping women. Okay. Now these, this is the cool thing. Incubi were believed to have the ability to father children resulting in a half-human offspring called a cambion. And the most famous cambion is Merlin the wizard, who was um, from, you know, King Arthur legend, who was supposedly sired by an incubus um, from whom he received his magical abilities. Okay. Hmm. Now, when I reached out to Merlin for comment, his PR team did not return my calls, so we have no way to verify that. Yo, Merlin, this true? <laughs> Who knows, right? We don't know if that's true or not, but it's Would a pretty cool know? story. I mean, he wasn't there either, you know. <laughs> Merlin, how would you really know? I mean, did no. you know, was there child support being paid? <laughs> I'm going to bet no. Right. All right. So the real story behind all of this is that both succubi and incubi are the products of superstitions that mm-hmm. were most likely efforts to explain what naturally occurs during sleep, which is nightmares. We all have those. We all have sexual dreams. We all have sleep paralysis and some of us have night terrors. So succubi and incubi may just have been attempts to explain away late night assaults on women um, by mm. relatives, clergy, etc. Because, yeah, because it's way easier to attribute these attacks um, to the supernatural than to admit that they came from a person in a position of trust, right? Mm-hmm. Especially the clergy, which I don't put it past them because, mm-hmm. I mean, you know. Yep. No, I mean, they have a pretty solid track record of being <laughs> sexual abusers now. So. I mean, especially now. I don't know why they just don't. Here we go on a tangent. I don't know why they just don't let these men have sex. Just who cares, right? Have wives. I, it, it's dumb because if not, they're taking those sexual urges out on children and children. Yeah. So you don't hear you don't hear this widespread issue with rabbis because nope. rabbis can have wives. Like, <laughs> hello, yeah. uh, the whole thing is dumb. Yeah. All right. So real or myth? Is it re- are they real? Are succubi real? So if yes, if people say yes, then we give um, any credence to the beliefs of other ancient cultures, right? Because it's not just um, medieval, which mm-hmm. isn't really a culture. But so in Islamic superstition, there's a similar creature called the Karina. Okay. In ancient Middle Eastern cultures, Lilith was the creature's name. Mm. Um, Newfoundland comes the tale of the old hag, a hideous witch who pins down sleepers by sitting on their chest. Ah, we have Japanese folklore, which gives us the Kana Shibari. And I don't know if I'm saying that right. It's the fate of the cursed who have been magically tied up in their sleep by evil spirits. Mm. And then in old Norse um, mythology, the Mara 
This is my favorite one. The Mara is a malevolent spirit who straddles the body of the sleeper as if they're riding a horse, then tries to strangle them. That's not why it's my favorite. Why it's my favorite is because Mara is the origin of the English word nightmare. Oh. Isn't that cool? I was like, look at that. That's right. Okay, nightmare, mare like a horse. Mm -hmm. I got it. I got it. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. I want to do a whole episode on word origins because it's just freaking cool. I, I, I love that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because I, I, I always said that if I had to pick another career or pick something over, I would have probably been a linguist. Yes. I love, I love that. It's yeah. so cool. It's so cool. I was introduced to that in my favorite all-time movie, um, My Fair Lady, where mm. Professor Higgins, Professor Higgins, or I don't know, was it? Yeah, it was Professor Higgins. I was going to say his little counterpart too. Yeah. And I, I learned a lot when I took German I realize there's so, you know, all these word origins that we use in in English because it is a Germanic language, but there are so many things that we use today that are actual German words, like yep. when cities that end in Heim mm -hmm. or Berg, mm -hmm. you, know, the, you know, those, that's all, that's a German, that's a German word. So yeah, I, I love that. Yep. Yep. Um, I just posted a eight types of love meme um, on all the socials mm -hmm. and philia is a type of love, but it's also the foundational word for uh, Philadelphia. And mm -hmm. that is philia is brotherly love. Like, so yeah. very cool. Yep. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, succubi and incubi are basically believed to be pure folklore by modern day physicians and medical professionals. Mm -hmm. um, they have been treating patients suffering from these night terrors by way of course, antipsychotic medications, um, even though many sufferers haven't shown any damn signs of illness or physical disabilities, right? Throw a drug at it. Don't get yeah. me started. <laughs> so some professionals also believe that these attacks are actually vivid dreams that occur during sleep paralysis, which is a condition that's even more common than the incubus phenomenon. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now we're going from lore into uh, science. Yeah. All right. So sleep paralysis. Let's, let's talk about this. Have you ever experienced sleep paralysis? When I was small, but not in the way of like, it traumatized me forever. I know right. I've experienced it. I know right. I've I, I'm trying to wake up and I'm like, just like, I feel a little bit stuck. Yeah. But that's about it. Not, I've, I've heard some really hard stories. Yeah. Like I did. And I get into that a little bit later. Um, I did. And I was like, okay, no more. We're done. <laughs> so sleep paralysis. It happens when a person is either falling asleep or waking up. This is when it's most common. Yeah. Now, what happens is that during REM sleep, R-E-M, which is the period when a person typically dreams, um, the body's muscles are relaxed to the level of paralysis. Because if we weren't paralyzed, we would act out our dreams and then potentially endanger ourselves. Mm, okay. But sometimes REM can extend into waking consciousness when our body become immobile, right? Or um, our, but our brains experience the imagery of our dreams. Okay. All right. So now there is a fun, it's called something, the phenomenon of waking up during REM is complete when you're completely unable to move is called sleep paralysis. Okay. All right. So let's talk about the science. You know, we love to do that. Yeah. Um, so what causes that sleep paralysis is 
when our GABA-A and GABA-B receptors that regulate the body's muscle tone, they combine with glycine, which is in amino acid. And then when those two combine, it switches off our voluntary muscles during REM sleep. Okay. All right. Now, normally they switch back on before we wake up. But if we wake up during REM and the GABA and glycine sort of keep hold of us, then the mm. result is dreaming while awake or sleep paralysis. So there's really, I mean, it makes a lot more sense than demon-like creatures sitting on your pelvis. <laughs> um, but it's still, if you've ever had a night terror or sleep paralysis, and you're dreaming, I mean, your brain is going to say, what's happening? I must be, it's going to go to the logic, the most logical thing, which of course is a demon holding you down. I mean, makes sense to me. Seems legit. All right. But across cultures, that strange sort of sensation of mm -hmm. sleep paralysis has it sort of brought about some pretty vivid um, descriptions. Um, it's not unique to like one specific area, demographic, culture, race, whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's been reported for thousands of years um, as encounters with sexual mm -hmm. creatures and beasts and ghosts. So you can mm -hmm. see how the two sort of combine. Yeah. Um, and even though these reports differ by culture, the encounters are really similar. Yeah. Um, we've got in 1664, a Dutch physician published a case history of a woman with sleep paralysis. And he wrote, the devil lay upon her and held her down. Okay, well, how do you know? Were you there? I mean, you can't just, is this what she said? Yeah. Um, from Mexico comes reports of people who have said that sleep paralysis feels like a dead body climbed on top of me. That would make me laugh. Like what? It, it, but do dead bodies climb? And I'm not making fun of these cultures. I'm making fun of these reports because they're. Yeah. This isn't enough. <laughs> I need more than this than these reports. And then in China, sleep paralysis. <laughs> this is the best one. Has been labeled ghost oppression. I I, I don't even know what to do with that one. <laughs> like, who is the ghost being oppressed, or is the ghost the oppressor? I don't get it. Like literally, right? Like right. Um, pressing down on something, holding it down. All right. So yeah, as these reports illustrate, like sleep paralysis can be fucking terrifying. You know, mm. I mean, you know, what are some of the things that people feel? They feel trapped. They feel, you know, they typically sense the presence of a malevolent intruder um, in the room. Um, you know, they feel that pressure on the chest, um, you know, they hear ominous voices and then they can feeling a lot of people have reported feelings of being touched while the covers are snatched off mm -hmm. all under, you know, these horrific experience of, you know, um, sleep paralysis. Now, who knows if they're real or hallucinations, but regardless, <laughs> that's not that's not a restful sleep, if you ask no, me. Definitely not. Right. Um all right, so I want to talk about sleep paralysis and the benefits of it because it can open the door to some really cool altered states. Okay. Okay, so first, lucid dreaming, that's when you consciously manipulate your dreams and interact at will. Right? We talked about lucid dreaming a couple times. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, out-of-body experiences – 
Um, now, this is usually an unplanned event, okay, in which your consciousness sort of floats outside of yourself to mm -hmm. see your body from another perspective. Typically, people, you know, that are having surgery or whatever in the hospital. Yes, right? I've heard of those a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, now, um, OBEs, um, or at least the sensation of an OBE, they're largely recognized within the medical community, and they have been the subject of many studies. There's so many studies out there about out-of-body experiences. So, you know, medical practitioners, they are like, okay, yeah, that's a real thing, because their clients or their their patients um, afterwards are like, yeah, I saw you doing this, and this was playing on the radio, and the doctors are like, wow, there's no way you could have known that. Yes. Yeah. I love those stories. Yeah. OBEs are very, very cool. There's so much out there. Uh, rabbit hole, right? Like I was like, okay, you can't get, stay focused. And then the last, um, you know, altered state that's literally one of my favorites we talked about earlier, astral projection, right? Mm -hmm. Now, okay. So here's the thing. Astral projection um, which is kind of the same as an OBE, it's largely considered to be a spiritual practice versus a medical phenomenon. Why? Uh -huh. Because, you know. Um, but it's also called astral travel, and it's an intentional out-of-body experience where your soul or consciousness, right, and that's also like our astral body, for lack yes. of a better term, it separates from the physical body and is legitimately capable of visiting other realms or different areas of the earth without the body physically going there, right? And so it, what's really cool is that those, as you well know, um, who master the astral state can also perform energy work on themselves or others during this. They can teach, learn pretty much anything that they can do in the physical state they can do in the astral state. Mm. So I know you travel and work in the astral realm quite often. So um, tell us about it. Tell us about your experiences. I don't really like to do it. <laughs> <laughs> you just like, I want to get paid for this. Um, and nobody asked me, this is not a booked session. So. Right. No, did I, did I tell you this? So the other day I was out with some friends and um, one of the girls in the group was talking about how she's had this thing visiting her and we're, so we're just giving her tips on how to, you know, how to tell it to fuck off basically <laughs> which which you which is information taken directly from your mother yes and it works it totally works <laughs> so you know we're telling her that and also the, the things she can do to ground herself to declare her space sovereign she can you know all, all the different things the um uh, calling out like the four corners of your room and like right. do you could do like bits of Epsom salt or you can take an Epsom salt bath to ground yourself. So we're just like giving her tips and she's just kind of looking at us kind of like like you're eh, nuts. I don't, eh, I don't know. Like I think she's just unsure. Uh. And then that whole night, that whole night I dreamt that I was giving her limpias that I'm like cleaning her with a feather fan and stuff. And I'm like, I wake up in the morning, I'm like, hey, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't sign up for this. Right. She didn't book a session with mm -mm. me. No, I'd send her a bill, PayPal invoice. <laughs> Here's a bill for your Olympias. <laughs> mm -hmm. Pay up. Okay, so segue or tangent, um, Olympia, um, isn't that an egg treatment? There are several ways to do Olympias. Uh -huh. So it's like an overall statement word, like Band-Aid. Exactly. Yes. Okay. Yes. You, right. So you can do an egg limpia. You can just do like a sweep, a sweeping limpia, which is what I was, that's what I was doing in, in my dream or whatever, whatever state I was in. You, uh, you were astral tra <laughs> traveling. 
You can also create baths for them, like herbal baths and have them take a bath. Um, you can do a smoke cleanse. That's a, a Olympia too. So yeah, there's lots of methods to do it. Okay. Have you ever seen Olympia performed where the egg turned bloody? Uh, no, no, I haven't. I mean, I've seen because it's normal for sometimes for some eggs to have like a little strip of blood in them. Right. I don't know. Which those go right down the drain because I'm not cooking that shit. <laughs> uh I've seen I've seen that but not like a whole like really bad egg. Um I grew up though that's like my mom always used to give us egg limpias like growing up mm -hmm. all the time. Yeah. So it's more of a maybe do you think the, like the bloody or the black eggs are more of a myth or legend? I don't know. I mean I can't say until maybe one day I see one or someone shows me one or something. Yeah. But, um I don't I mean I it could happen because it could have been like again like trying to find the logical answer to it it could have been a fertilized egg that had you know like the chick hadn't really formed yet but there's like blood and stuff going on in there right that's science bitch yeah. <laughs> um all right well i just needed to know if that was something that is you know like like you say oh yeah there's documented cases throughout history of this happening all the time or if it's just been sort of you know um made into this thing for like movies and you know tv and stuff like that um uh, but usually when you see stuff in movies it's uh it's grounded in some kind of truth or right. at least somebody's story right somewhere. all right cool well thank you yeah. um okay so what's the difference between astral travel and astral projection? There are differences. Okay. Um, so travel has been around since ancient times through various cultures and religions, but was introduced to the Western world in around like the 1800s. All right. Now it can occur. Travel can occur without realizing that it's happening. Now astral projection on the other hand is intentional and that's where the subtle body travels outside of the physical body at the whim of the individual. So learning how to project and travel um, while they are basically the same thing in theory, one is intentional and one is just sort of you know, mm -hmm. um, and that's what you've been doing at night is traveling and helping people when you'd rather be sleeping or you want some payment. <laughs> All I'm saying is if I'm going to lose some sleep, you know. I know. Exactly. I like my sleep. So after it's all said and done, it's my opinion. Okay, now, after all of this and what I've thought, and I've thought this my whole entire life, but, um, mm -hmm. you know, my my scientific deduction is um it's my opinion that sleep paralysis is a result of just a simple bumpy re-entry when the soul returns from the astral travel and or projection that's what Me sleep too. paralysis is yes Me too. Yeah. um because um i've been able to travel since i was a little girl okay i inherited quote unquote inherited this ability from my grandmother dolores mm -hmm. and my uncle xavier and my uncle xavier um after he passed um, i found some of his writings and my uncle actually read his twin um read it at his funeral where he would write about astral travel you know just wow. you know he was an artist a guitarist and a musician yeah. and just really really creative and amazing and you know bigger than life um but I would experience sleep paralysis and the feeling of being held down by an mm -hmm. unseen force. Mm -hmm. I would experience it a lot. Um, you know, and so, and the thing is, is that consciously I knew what it was. I did, even at a young age, I'm like, um, you know, fucking astral travel, you know, <laughs> but I wasn't able to remember 
my travels and I wasn't really wow. getting any benefit from this experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I told my guides, no fucking more. You know, I'm done. No more astral traveling because the reentry is fucking scary. And like, I legitimately felt like I was being held down by an oppressive force. And so I would also have this, this was the scariest part. I would have this vivid sense of lurk of like a being or, you know, quote unquote demon or succubus, incubus, whatever, sort Mm -hmm. of lurking in the bedroom doorway. Now I know demons are not something that's in my, my, um, knowledge base they're not something that i experience i don't Mm -hmm. experience them that's my experience but ever since i put the kibosh on astral travel and i said that to spirit five or six years ago i have not had one single instance of sleep paralysis until just recently um and then so i opened up my kashik record and i'm like why are you back (laughs) <laughs> why are they back and mm-hmm. basically my guides are like yeah it's time to learn to master intentional um mm-hmm. travel and re-entry because um there's shit to do apparently so uh, that's on my work. list of things to <laughs> learn how to do is really do it so yeah um so, so I believe absolutely the same thing. Like whenever somebody says like, I've had sleep press, I've had this, I always explain it that way of saying, oh, it, that just, that just means like your soul wasn't back in its body yet. Yep. You just yep. woke up a little too early. Yep. That, that was always been my explanation. Um, but the thing about out of body experience um, is that I think that that's actual proof of our consciousness and the fact absolutely. that it exists outside of our body. Like our body doesn't actually hold all of our consciousness and if you want proof there's your proof out of body experiences yes yes and it's very interesting because you know some of the most i don't know titled and educated you know medical professionals will say no and they'll they'll try to explain it away with some nonsense Mm -hmm. about memories or remembering or something like that you know um and then and other you know medical professionals are like um no (laughs) there's no way um you know i have the anesthesiologist here that's like no she was gone she was under Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yep so um it's very interesting very interesting but yeah we'll have to we'll have to do a um an episode on obes and talk about all the really cool um, yeah stories that are out there and the science behind it and stuff so what would you say for someone who is experiencing astral travel and maybe some sleep paralysis and they don't want to well you can do exactly what i did and just say no no i mean but you have to actually have a conversation with your spirit guides and say okay guys here's the thing gather around get your coffee and sit down because we're going to have a talk. And that's exactly what I did. I said, don't want to do this. It's scary. Put a pin in it. It's not necessary for my growth forward right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to do it. I- I'm not doing it. So don't don't be, you know, and it stopped, it, okay. which is sort of the same concept as when spirits are in your house, right? <laughs> Get the fuck out, right? Or, mm-hmm. you know, stop, you know, it's intention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. There are some crystals that can help with astral travel, though, if you are somebody who wants to learn it, right? Okay. Um, so I will name a few here, but look for a post on Insta where I will share a larger list of gemstones and how they specifically help with astral travel. It's There was so much there. Um, I really, really, really love that. 
All right. So there's clear courts, which can help open doorways to the divine. So doorways to your um, higher self and your um, higher power, knowing um, carnelian. Um, this one helps sort of invoke that warrior spirit within you, right? Your power center, your sacral chakra, orange. Mm. Hematite is really good for grounding and strengthening the connection between spirit and body. So that that re-entering can be a little more seamless. Okay. Um, Labradorite, again, for seamless journeys into the unknown because Labradorite works with our third eye um, and really helps us um, getting knowledge, gaining knowledge, knowing, right? It's that, that inner mm-hmm. knowing. Mm-hmm. Angelite is really good for positive vibrations and connecting with your guardians and all of the other entities on the other side or beings, I should say. Um, so okay. angelite is going to keep your vibration high and you're not going to interact with, you know, any anything scary. Okay. Black obsidian is really good for using um, a compass in the dream world. So that one was really interesting and um, I'll get into a little bit more in that one. And then um, black tourmaline is, of course, that's what keeps us, you know, quote unquote, protected. Um, now, you know, I don't really subscribe to stones as magic beans and that can protect you. You you know that that's just not how I roll. Yeah. Um, but tourmaline, anytime anybody is looking for any sort of protective energy, um, yes. tourmaline is one that I do recommend. And I um, subscribe that it does actually get that vibe up there so high that those lower energies can't connect. So it, in order to use these, how, and because we're talking about sleep and I'm mm-hmm. not going to like, I don't like wearing jewelry while I, while I sleep. Right. No. So would yeah. this be like something I put under my pillow or is it enough to just have it like at my bedside? Yeah. Bedside pillow. Um, you know, the, the other day, <laughs> the other, you know, that piece of shungite that I showed you, uh, mm-hmm. the black um, kyanite. Well, those, yeah. those aren't really cuddly stones. They'll stab you no. in the face and kill you. <laughs> <It's> sharp. <laughs> They're sharp. And yeah, well, I went to bed the other night and I put that on my third eye to meditate. So I, I didn't go to bed to sleep. I went to meditate, right? Well, uh-huh. of course I fell asleep because I don't care who, 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 who you are. If you fucking get in bed to meditate, you're going to fall asleep. If you're laying down, yes. You're going to fall asleep. <laughs> yeah. So I wake up the next day. And I completely forgot. And then when I go to make the bed, there's that piece of shungite. I had slept on it. Like my body was on it. I'm like, how did that thing not pierce my heart <laughs> or whatever? It's like this <laughs> weapon in my bed. So um, definitely it's probably better to put them on your bedside okay. um, or under your pillow where they can't, you know, try to kill you. <laughs> um, okay. So. The last thing that I want to talk about is learning to travel, uh, because honestly, this was this this episode just sort of touch touches on astral travel and how it relates to um, myth and lore and legend and sleep paralysis. We could do a yeah. whole other episode on astral travel, um, which would be really it's a great idea. Um, but if you want to learn how to travel. I would suggest you begin with a guided meditations for astral travel someplace easy and free like YouTube. Okay. Um, just 
the biggest thing is that you need to remain calm and let go of any attachment to the outcome. This is a process that you have to learn. Um, and some people can do this naturally, but you have to learn how to manage it in order to eliminate that sleep paralysis. Why? Mm -hmm. This is what my guides told me when I said, what's going on? And they're like, well, it's time for you to learn to master. Um, and then not holding any expectation that you have to travel um, because then you're not relaxed. And then, of course, that's the opposite of the state that you want to be in. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, there's so much more to that, which, you know, again, this isn't the episode to cover that. But um, I definitely um, if you learn how to travel or you are an expert traveler um, and you've done it quite often, please reach out to us at esotericspodcast at gmail.com and let us know or share your stories in the Wokakashi group. Yeah. My dad had an asshole travel story. Did he? Did yeah. He taught himself how to asshole travel out of a book, but he, I don't, he didn't even call it that. I mean, I, I don't remember what he calls it exactly, but he said he, he picked up this book and it taught him how to do it. And so he practiced a little bit, but then one day, so he, cause he'd have to go somewhere, you know, to be alone to do it. And he couldn't do it at home cause they would, you know, his parents would see him. I think he was supposed to be working. I don't know. <laughs> um, but, um, he went uh, to a barn, one of the barns and went up on the top part so nobody could see him. And he laid down and he asked traveled and he was gone for what he thought was just a few minutes. But when he woke up, it was dark because this was wow. like in the morning when he did it. And then he woke up, it was dark and he'd been gone for hours and they were looking for him. Oh. And yeah, and he kind of freaked out because he didn't realize how long he'd been gone mm -hmm. and and he felt like couldn't get back to his yeah. body. Like he'd gone so far that he could that he had trouble getting back. Right. So then he said he after that he never did it again. Never did it again, it right. Spooked him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he just needed to learn how to master it. So we can't not there are a lot of sp stories out there fear-based, fear-mongering things mm -hmm. that I'm just going to say are not true. Um mm -hmm. we are attached to our physical bodies by what's called the eth or etheric cord. This mm -hmm. it's a cord that cannot be broken. It only breaks at death. Um mm -hmm. during the death process, the returning home process. So there is no way um that you can't return to your body now you know yeah. physically you know or medically i'm sure there's a lot of you know theories that could support the fact that you know you can't but whatever right that's mm -hmm. we're talking about you know if people are like i don't want to try it because what if i can't return you absolutely no. can return yeah yeah and yeah. that goes back to not having that fear and having mm -hmm. uh, the proper preparation for it. And yeah. obviously that book should have told him like, Hey, don't be afraid. Like you, you can do this or there's nothing to right. be afraid of. But I, I don't know if he didn't get that far or right. what, what it was. But... He read the first chapter. He's like, I'm going to do this. <laughs> right. Which is, you know, which is sometimes <laughs> what we do when we're kids. Like we're just kids and we're just like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go for it. Like, I've, and I know I've told you, like I, I also picked up a book at a library when I was a kid and it taught me how to gather energy. And yeah. I didn't read the whole book. I just like read like the first few chapters. So I, I never, yeah, I never completed the book. I don't, I didn't really know how to, do the, the entire thing that I'm sure it was going to teach me a lot more. I was just like mm -hmm. eager to get started and get right. going. And I was like, Oh, let's just do this. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And then once you had the energy, what, what do you do with it? Once you have it, right. Did it, did you cover that in the book? 
I didn't get further than right. like, oh, you can use it to like put it on your body and like cure a headache and, oh. and that. Yeah. But I'm sure there's more you could do with it. Mm-hmm. We just didn't get any further than that. Oh, have you used that knowledge or that technique throughout the years? Yeah, I use it for, I use it with Reiki. Nice. Very yeah. nice. See, it's so very useful. it was there. I mean, there are no, um, there are no coincidences and, you know, you learn something for, we learn what we need to learn that sort of thing. But yeah, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> go through the whole, read the whole book, complete the course, yes. <laughs> you know, do d- start to finish so that you are fully aware of what, yeah, definitely. I'm very interested in hearing from people who are, um, polished professional you know knowledgeable um mm-hmm. astral travels just to see you know hey what sort of things have you done or can you do yeah i want to know too so there you go that's all i have on um you know astral travel and sleep paralysis and the legend and the lore of the succubi oh that was great Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was fun. It was a fun topic to get into. I'm I'm excited. I'm excited we got we were able to do that. It's interesting too how in medieval times or just in throughout history where when people couldn't explain things, they didn't have an understanding of of medical issues, how they just everything was just like demons or ghosts. <laughs> they just made shit up. They still do that now. They'll just make shit up, you know. Yeah. Or that, like, you called it upon yourself because you're a sinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Or you just blame it on astrology and all that. So, yep. yeah. Yeah, I know. It's, um, and I mean, it's really interesting to go back and look at those and then see how they rationalize things, you know, mm-hmm. like with sleep paralysis, saying that it's a demon that's holding you down instead of a horny priest who has no business, you know, getting in your, your bed. But, yeah. um, you know, that's that's part of evolution and all that stuff. But yeah, I love, I love getting into stuff like that. Like, Oh, origins, word origins, myth and lore origins. Origins are super, super interesting. So Mm -hmm. uh, I wonder if there's a podcast out there called origins. I mean, I know there's just a lot of history podcasts out Mm -hmm. there too. That that's always cool. Yeah. There's one called ologies. I've listened to a couple, um, a couple episodes of those. Um, very cool, but, I want one called Origins. <laughs> oh, so I looked up this thing real quick, and it was like um, six crazy medical beliefs from the days of yore. Oh, yeah. What are they? So they believe that the Black Death was caused by bad air. Well. <laughs> the, if you had hiccups, it was because of elves. Elves? Yes. Yeah, they, in medieval times, elves were to blame for many of life's unpleasantries. Knots in your hair, also known as elf locks, nightmares, elves, and whatever water elf disease is, that's also caused by elves. <laughs> that's a thing. Um, oh, and then sleep paralysis is caused by demons. Yeah. You know. Sneeze me, <laughs> sneeze me deadly. So, yeah, well, you know that. That's why we say, that's why we say bless, bless you. Bless you, yeah. They, yeah, because they thought that. So, what did die. people think that if people sneezed, then they're that they were probably uh, carrying the Black Death? 
Oh, you know what? Listen, between black death, black air, black bad air, I don't appreciate the connotation um, that black is bad. I have yeah. my black shirt on today, and it's my favorite shirt. I don't appreciate this shit. That's, ra- that's racist. Yes. <laughs> racist is old ancient people i mean it's not wrong um uh, having tuberculosis meant that you were a vampire that's fun oh that's a, <laughs> yeah that's a good one i like that the case of the wandering womb that the ancient greeks believed that a woman's womb um spontaneously wandered around her abdominal cavity colliding with other organs causing headaches sluggishness weakness and vertigo Okay. Okay. What? Say that again. I, <laughs> say it again. That their uterus basically wandered around in her abdominal cavity, colliding with other organs and causing headaches, sluggishness, weakness, and vertigo. So, but is there is there a, la- a name for that dilemma? That's uh, just the wandering womb. The wandering the, womb. The ancient Greeks were the ones that believed it, and then in the 1500s. That was replaced by that the that the womb was a source of a woman's irrationality, and by the 19th century, hysteria over he- female hysteria was rampant. Cures included hypnosis, vibrating devices. Well, that's probably where they came from. Everything comes from know. the Greek. Jets of the water, jets of water blasted at the abdomen, and extreme cl- cases, hysterectomies. Great. So that sounds to me like that continues. You know, when when assholes who are saying like, oh, women can be president, they're too emotional, like she's going to blow up the world if she's on her period and all that shit. That seems it comes from stupid ass medieval beliefs. Patriarchy. There there were so medieval. Patriarchy's nothing but medieval. Um, yeah. Hey, well, you know, there's another potential topic to talk about all the bullshit nonsense from... <laughs> grounded in ancient times which mm-hmm. is pretty much pretty much most a of it of, a lot of that mm-hmm. yeah excellent okay guys please share and review um thank you for hanging out with us today um and if you find this episode to be fun and informative um please Sharing those episode links with your friends and family and your social networks is really key to the success of the Esoterics podcast. So um, help us get the word out and help us grow our audience. And um, this also goes for reviews um, on Apple um, and, um, you know, all over the socials. You can find us under all the socials under Esoterics Podcast. And don't forget to join our Facebook group on the Woke Akashic so you can stay up to date with all our upcoming events and intuitive development classes. Thank you all for sharing space with us today. Stay mystical, magical, and ready to do it again next week when we talk about the story of Maria Sabina. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.